This is Live Well Talk on Clinical Hypnosis. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at St. Luke's Hospital. Returning to the podcast today is Dr. Benjamin Tallman, psychologist with St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, to discuss clinical hypnosis and how it can be used as an innovative approach to pain management. Ben, I, I think the uh, title of this lecture and also the one that we're going to do on virtual reality should just be titled Mind Over Matter and kind of go along those themes. But can you start? I mean, I think we all know what hypnosis is uh, or have some sort of layman uh, impression of that. You know, when when I count to three, you'll cluck like a chicken or something like that. But it, it, it's, give, give us give us an overview of how this is integrated in your practice pain management. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And, and again, thanks for having me on and being able to chat about uh, hypnosis. Um, you're right. I think we all have lots of ideas about what hypnosis is. And a lot of that is we're creating the media. You know, we've seen the, the, the television programs. We probably have seen stage hypnosis where there's a perception that controlling people on stage to do all kinds of crazy things, clucking like a chicken, ripping their clothes off and, and, and doing and doing lots of things. Um, so that's all really for entertainment value. And, and while certainly entertaining, um, it, it's it's not uh, in line with you know what happens during clinical hypnosis. And clinical hypnosis is really the the application of hypnosis to address you know a specific medical issue or mental health concern. Um, there's a lot of research to suggest that hypnosis is effective to, to address stress-related concerns, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, um, help make you help making people make changes regarding uh, difficult behaviors like uh, smoking tobacco or quitting, and even you know research uh, to suggest actually quite a bit of research and kind of what I use hypnosis for mostly in my practice is for acute and chronic pain management and really using it as a technique. Uh, to help people manage symptoms of of chronic pain or symptoms of acute pain, if that's on the the inpatient side, um, but it's been along for a long, been around for a long time. It's a you know medical treatment that's you know recognized by the American Psychological Association, the American Medical Association. But yeah, when I'm I'm first talking about it with patients, I have to make the distinction that you're you're not going to cluck like a chicken unless you want to. Really, we're going to use it as a way to help you manage your symptoms. Does does the patient have to be receptive to it? Is there a buy-in from the patient? I mean, if the if a patient's skeptical to begin with, it, does is there a difference there? Is there a yeah a placebo effect yeah. to this? If if that's the right descriptor, yeah, great great question. So I think almost every. I won't say every, but I think the majority of my patients that I talk about hypnosis and I bring it up are skeptical. And I have to help them understand what we're trying to accomplish and really the goals of, of using the hypnosis. And again, a lot of it uh, in my work with patients is for acute or chronic pain management. Um, so I'm addressing some of those myths. And yes, getting buy-in. If, if somebody doesn't think it's going to work, then it, it probably is not going to work as well as somebody who's open to the suggestions and open to the possibility that they could experience change. When we look at the literature and when we look at the the impact, we know that 20% of the people really have a, a, a very strong response. What's a strong response? You know, I could be working with somebody with chronic pain concerns. They've had it for 25 years. And during the session and after the session, they might not have any pain. And I'll say, when was the last time you didn't have pain? They'll say, I don't remember the last time I've had pain. That happens for a subset of people. 
And then we have about 50 to 60% of people who have what I would consider kind of an average response, um, where they still have good benefit from the hypnosis, they might have symptom reduction, um, and it's a positive experience. And then 20% of people uh, who just kind of feel a little relaxed, and they might not have as strong or as powerful an experience uh, as some of those other folks. And some of that is based on, you know, there's research, there's hypotheses about the mechanism of action and why this works. Some of it could be uh, social desirability. There's certainly an interaction between myself as the therapist or the hypnotist and the patient. You mentioned placebo. Placebo is one of the power, most powerful tools that we have, I think, uh, in medicine, whether that's for mental health issues uh, or for uh, medical issues. But we also have some good science to suggest that when when we're offering specific suggestions, so for example, for pain, you know, people feel pain in their in their legs or their arms or their back or their butt, but it's processed, you know, in our brain and our spinal cord. So when people experience pain in the emotional centers of the brain or the sensory centers of the brain, and we're we're scanning those people's brains when they're in, when they're in a trance we can actually see some of those areas of the brain that quiet down in response to some of those suggestions. So we see, you know, again, uh, some of those areas actually change. I, I also will explain it to patients as when you're in a trance and I'm offering suggestions about, you know, feeling calm or relaxed or comfortable, it's kind of like we can control the dial uh, on experience. You know, if you're, you know, some of the old radios still have dials on them. Now they're mostly all digital. But it's like tuning down, uh, you know, pain or anxiety or stress. So it might be there, but it's really in the background. And our mind and our brain has the ability to tune down some of those sensations. So, uh, again, a lot of people have uh, experienced a lot of benefit from these techniques. Uh, but, yeah, I have to do a fair amount of discussion ahead of time. Uh, the setup of the hypnosis and talking about it. I think is probably equally as important as the actual hypnosis session itself. Well, it, it, it's interesting you say that because, like, if I get an injury, I, I simply say to myself, okay, Dustin, this is simply an exchange of sodium and potassium ions that are traveling to my brain. This yep. is not, it's not, the, the pain is not real. And, you know, you just kind of take a deep breath and it, it for me, it works. You know, I'm just like, this, this, this is just sodium potassium being exchanged. This is not real. And so I, I can believe that, that, that there's a huge influence to this, uh, the, the, the mentality. And, and upbeat people um, do better than people that aren't upbeat. You know, I mean, I think uh, attitude means a lot. Let's just go through it. Yeah. Uh, I have chronic pain. Yep. I'm at your office, Dr. Tallman, and I want to do hypnosis. Kind of walk us through, like, what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one of the exciting things that we're doing in our clinic that I've just started is a hypnosis group. So this is an eight session evidence-based treatment. I'm using a manualized protocol from, uh, you know, a, a gentleman named Mark Jensen, who's done a tremendous amount of work uh, out on the, on the West Coast. So it's a manualized protocol, uh, meaning that we have specific scripts that are used in each session has a particular theme, and then we practice a hypnosis within the session. So I'll, I'll, I'll back up a little bit before that. Even before patients get to hypnosis, when they enter my program, they come to a 90-minute a class that tells all about pain psychology, pain management, and if they like what they hear, they can enroll in an eight-session cognitive behavioral treatment for patients with pain. 
It's a gold standard treatment for chronic pain concerns. In that cognitive behavioral therapy, they really learn the foundational skills of all these different biopsychosocial factors influencing pain and how uh, their mind and their body work. You know, as you kind of mentioned, mind over matter and how your perspective, how thinking patterns really influence the perception of pain. So if patients kind of graduate from that, that cognitive behavioral therapy group, they're then eligible for the next set of hypnosis or the next set of treatments, and that's hypnosis. We designed the protocol uh, to do hypnosis after cognitive behavioral therapy because there's good research to support. When we look at the meta-analyses, again, all these studies of, of randomized controlled trials that have been done, when we add hypnosis to cognitive behavioral therapy, we get a better treatment bump. We get a, we get a nice treatment effect to suggest that Hypnosis and CBT is better than hypnosis alone or CBT alone. So that's kind of the, the, the progression. When people would come to the hypnosis group, the first group session, we're going to talk a lot about what hypnosis is, what it isn't. We're going to demystify hypnosis, things like the hypnotist doesn't have control over you. Um, you know, I don't have control over somebody and that they have to be open to the suggestions. You can't get stuck in a trance. So some people are like, well, what if I never come out? I said, you, well, a trance is kind of similar to a daydream. You can't get stuck in a daydream. But, you know, hypnosis is very similar. We, we all go into a trance-like state many different times during the day. I do, you do, we all do. And a trance is kind of like our mind taking a little break. If you've been driving down the road and you've gone 15, 20 miles, you thought, boy, I just missed my turn. I don't even remember what I was thinking about, right? Our mind takes us to these trances or watching a really good show on Netflix. And it seems like 10 minutes has gone by and it's holy smokes, an hour's gone by. So our mind automatically goes into trance. Hypnosis is just the process of teaching people to have more control over that. So we would talk to people about some of those misconceptions. And then we would practice the hypnosis session in the group. So the groups have, depending, five to six people, seven people, sometimes up to eight. And we do a 20 to 25 minute hypnosis session. And then the cool thing that we've implemented just this year, I had a wonderful student intern uh, from Coe College who helped, uh, worked in our, our makerspace uh, downstairs at St. Luke's. You and know, we can I can I interrupt? Right, you can Please. simply you can simply say the Harvard of the Midwest, and everybody will know that you're talking about Cole College. You you got it, Dustin. As as both columns. Yeah. Uh, you can the, just, the you can just say the Harvard of the Midwest, and people go, "Oh yeah, right, Cole." Absolutely. So the the Harvard of the Midwest, wonderful student uh, in collaboration. She created a website that essentially can go on a patient. The people can bring it up from their phone, or they can bring it up uh, from a computer. And we have all of the hypnosis sessions in a password protected web format that patients can then listen to. So they learn the hypnosis in the group and then they have access to all the hypnosis sessions after the group. They get a password, it's password protected. So the key with hypnosis is certainly some people can practice uh, or they can, they can benefit from just one session, but just like anything, you have to practice the skill to get good at it. You know, if you were going to run a race, you wouldn't just show up at the race and run and, and run your best time. You're going to put the time in. You're going to practice ahead of time. And that's very similar with hypnosis. So eight sessions. Each session has a different theme. Some of that we turn back to some of the cognitive behavioral work and we, we integrate that in the hypnosis sessions. And then patients are practicing 
listening to the recordings. And then we've also practiced them to do self-hypnosis, which is to do the hypnosis on their own without the recordings. Um, and the goal is, you know, uh, the goal is symptom reduction, you know, for patients to have a decreased physiological response to pain. Um, we've had one particular person in our in our group uh, this past uh, our past session that has discontinued use of pain medications and is only using hypnosis, which I think is absolutely fantastic, amazing. Um, the goal is not to get off pain meds, but if some people want to do that, they really they they like that option. Um, but yeah, we we've had a lot of success uh, with with our group, and people are very interested in it because they haven't heard a lot about it. But once they hear about the research, once they hear about the effectiveness, they're interested. And they want to give it a try. I think the I think the whole mental aspect of healthcare or just living our lives in general is just yet to be explored. Because when you meet in the, the I'll go off related subject. When, when you meet someone that has chronic pain, chronic opioid dependency, yep. there's a huge emotional mental component to that. You know, it's not all physiologic. I'm not saying they're faking it. Don't, don't, don't take that wrong or out of context. And I think if you can unlock that, I think there's a lot of potential there. And that's what I'm hearing from you today, that there is potential there and you can. A couple questions. Are, are, there, are there certain patients like, you know, you're allergic to penicillin? Yeah. Are you allergic to hypnosis? Where you like saying no, not we're not even going to try it. Yeah, you know somebody has to have the cognitive capacity to participate. Okay. So somebody you know with advanced dementia or a real cognitive um, has cognitive difficulty where they can't attend to stimuli for sustained time, they're probably not going to be a great fit. And then uh, sometimes people with you know active psychoses, you know that are having active hallucinations, delusions, things like that may not be the best fit. Um, right. Besides that, anybody's a good candidate. Um, and there aren't really any major side effects. You know, once in a while, people can become emotional during hypnosis, and sometimes it can bring up um, difficult memories. Um, typically, when that happens, you know, people can get, you know, a little bit emotional and, and concerned about that. But I'm a believer that if those things are coming up, you know, we've kind of opened up this opportunity for us to be uh, more attuned to what's happening in our unconscious awareness, that that gives us a pretty good indicator that if there are difficult memories that are coming up, that they probably need to be addressed. So yeah. it's yeah. good clinical information for us to have to say, you know what, maybe we need to refer you for some individual treatment to address some of those things. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the big two would be the cognitive difficulties and that if somebody is is having any type of active psychosis. I, I have the saying out on the floor, I'm taking care of the the patient's kidneys are smarter than me. Yep. Meaning, if I can just get the body in balance, the kidneys will take will do their job. And you know, I think I think th this kind of opens up that phrase to the patient's brain is smarter than me. And if I can just put things in balance, the brain will take care of that. It will get rid of what it doesn't need, and it'll take in what it wants. Is this something that's ongoing, or do I like if I if I respond great to it, do I have to do it every you know x amount of days in between? What how long? How's that work? Yeah, each person is very, very different. So again, depending on level of suggestibility and commitment, practice, you know, some patients I can do a one session hypnosis with and the treatment effect is incredible and they might have sustained symptom relief. I think for most people, uh, it's a skill to learn and there needs to be practice, right? If it was so good where it helped everybody with one session, you know, we'd be doing it for everybody. Um, but just like anything, um, 
I think sometimes in medicine, you know, we have kind of a reactionary type system, right? Where we're fixing things after they're kind of already broken. And I think hypnosis gives patients the opportunity to take control over what's happening in their body and to enhance the connection between their mind and their body. And just like any muscle that we're trying to get stronger, you gotta li- if I'm gonna build my biceps, I gotta lift weights. If I'm gonna build my cardiovascular endurance, I have to run, I have to bike. If I wanna enhance the connection between how my mind and body communicate with one another and have more control over that process, then I need to practice techniques like hypnosis or meditation and other things. So to answer your question again, some people can have immediate lasting benefit with just a session or two, but a lot of people do need sustained attention uh, in practicing the exercises and really being intentional to work it into their daily routine. The patients that do the best across time who have chronic pain or anxiety are patients who are implementing these types of interventions and techniques into their lifestyle. And they're the ones that have sustained change. Just like if I was going to diet or exercise, if I'm doing those things on a consistent basis, the outcomes are probably going to be positive. If I'm not doing them, I'm probably going to gain weight. I might be more stressed. I might have sleep difficulty, et cetera. So just like any positive you know, lifestyle change that we would want to make, we want to try to sustain it and continue it. Huh. How do patients get more information or uh, arrange a session? Absolutely. So patients can self-refer to our program and they can call our outpatient therapies at 319-369-7331. Again, that's 369-7331. And they can request interest. The entry point into our program is our pain class. Again, that's, as I mentioned, that's a 90 minute to two hour class, depending on how many people we have. And we provide all the information about our services, about cognitive behavioral therapy, about hypnosis. We have some other treatments that we have within our program. And it's a one-time deal. Insurance covers it um, for the vast majority of people. And our, our wonderful administrative support staff will be able to help sort through insurance things. But coming to that class, it's kind of a no-risk way to kind of test out, hey, is this for me? And then if they like the class, you know, we'll do some screening based on their symptoms, provide information at the end of the class. If they like what they hear, uh, then we can get them, we can get them hooked up and, and into our eight session CBT group. And then if they like that, we can get them into our hypnosis group. Cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, correct? You got it. You got it. Well, this is, this is interesting. I think any time that we can make a patient better without a pill and without a scalpel, that's that's a win. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Tallman, uh, Ben, thanks for joining me today. This has been a wonderful session. Once again, this is Dr. Benjamin Tallman, uh, psychologist at St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. For more information, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.